myself, but um, um, I, I try to be sensitive of the time. Now, the, the Lord's been speaking to me about that, and, um, you know, if you've ever uh, heard Brother Copeland preach, you know Brother Copeland, you know, he, he can talk about and receive an offering for an hour, and I, I'm not exaggerating it, and, and you'd be taking notes during the whole thing. I'm not, that's no slam against him, but some of the uh, other ministers, and I, at the ministers' conference, you know, they decided, the first time I've ever heard anybody do it, they decided they was going to poke fun at him a little bit about that, you know. And um, they said that he doesn't use a clock when he preaches, he uses a calendar, you know. And, um, but he always brings, especially in a setting like that, where, you know, there's a whole, um, what's the word, agenda, you know, schedule. He'll bring a, uh, a little timer to the pulpit with him. And, um, you know, because it happens to me sometimes, you'll get lost in the Word, you won't realize it, you know, two hours have gone by, and you, you know. But the joke is, he, he has the timer because he wants to make sure he preaches long enough. And, um, and so, uh, last Wednesday night, I looked at my little clock here on my iPad, and it said 7.45, now, on Sunday, if I look at that clock and it says 11.45, it's about time to start at least thinking about wanting to close, you know. But obviously, we start on the half hour on Sunday. We start on the full hour on a Wednesday. And so I felt like I had just got it, gotten started last Wednesday night. I looked down and it said 7.45. And in my mind, I've already preached an hour, you know, for almost 45 minutes. And I'm like... You know, and so it got me so rattled. I mean, I, I, I don't like to admit it when I get rattled, but it got me so rattled. And I thought, where did the time go? And that I spent too much time reviewing, and there's so many important things I want to talk about. You know, and if you remember, I kind of had that moment. You know, that was what was going on with me. So uh, anyway, uh, Sister Pam comforted me as she always does, and told me it was all right. So amen. Uh, but. We're going to make up for that tonight. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. As God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, real quick, just a few things we're going to review tonight. Faith is a substance that can be measured, and it is capable of releasing a spiritual force greater than any force of nature or darkness. Faith is often thought of in terms of a theory or a philosophy existing in the mind. Thoughts and thinking are key factors in the overall operation of faith, but faith is first and foremost a spiritual substance. It's a substance that can be measured. And if you're a human being, you've been given the measure of faith. You have the measure of faith residing in your heart right now. So Romans 10.10 10 tells us, and we're just piecing some things together that we've elaborated on in the past. Romans 10.10 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So there's a lot that's packed into this verse. And the key thing I want us to focus in on for our study tonight is that faith resides in and operates from or works from the heart. So notice, with the heart one believes. With the heart one believes. So as we continue to study and learn about faith, because I, for one, know that my faith can produce more in my life than it is producing currently, 
and can produce better results for other people in their lives than it's currently producing. So looking at and studying and learning these things to grow in faith, from faith to faith, to become stronger in faith, uh, so that the faith that we've been given can produce the maximum results in our lives and in our world around us. But as we look at God giving to us a measure of His faith, literally sharing a portion of His faith with us, and putting that faith in our heart, the Holy Spirit led me to this consideration that we look for a problem with the faith. If it's God's faith that He gave it to us, then the substance of the faith itself isn't, there's not a problem there, okay? So the problem then has to be looked at from a couple of different angles, and that's what we're working our way through in our study now. And, and one of the things that, that we see is that there are certain things that will neutralize faith. Um, this powerful substance of faith that God has given us, shared it with us from himself, um, doubt will neutralize it. The, the Bible says the man who doubts should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, um, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. So doubt then, it's what we made this statement that, that it's not the believing that's hard, it's the believing with not, without doubting. That's the hard part. It's, it's keeping the doubt out, uh, keeping the doubt away. Remember Jesus asked Peter, why did you doubt? So we often look for a problem with our faith when there's no problem with the faith, but the problem is with the heart that the faith resides in. In other words, there's not a problem with the faith, but a heart problem that is preventing the faith from working. And we said, think of a perfectly good light bulb in a broken lamp. So it doesn't matter how good the light bulb is if the lamp that it resides in and works from is not working properly, then the light bulb is not going to produce the results that it could have otherwise produced. And so again, we tend to go straight to what's wrong with my faith when we should be asking the question, what's wrong with my heart? So faith is faith, but it's dependent upon the heart it resides in and works from. Again, a perfectly good light bulb will not work in a broken or faulty lamp. So like in the heart, um, like faith in the heart, a bulb resides in and works from a lamp. Okay, so the faith in this comparison would be the bulb and the heart would be the lamp. I think you got that already, but just want to make sure you see that. I really feel like the Holy Spirit gave me that example to help make this point. And so last week we said, think for a moment all that the Bible has to say about our heart, about guarding our heart, about, about the condition of our heart, about what we allow into our heart, and, and just on and on and on. Um, Jesus' parable uh, in Matthew 13, and we're going to look at a, a verse from there here in just a moment, but you know, he talked about his word as seed and the condition of people's hearts as soil, and we see that seed produces different results in the different types of soil that it lands upon. And so the condition of our heart has so much to do with how faith works and its ability to work and produce in our lives. So things like unforgiveness, bitterness, 
Um, things like perseverance and single-mindedness, uh, things like endurance. Uh, all of these things are associated with faith or answered prayer by faith. Uh, but again, these things speak to the condition of the heart that the measure of faith resides in and works from. So this is why the greatest faith lesson Jesus ever taught us in Mark 11 he finishes that lesson, you know, he caps it off with uh, to forgive. When you stand praying and, and, and operating and acting in faith, you've got to be willing to forgive because if we, if we keep unforgiveness in our hearts, it will prevent our faith from working altogether or at least, uh, you know, dramatically hinder um, its ability uh, to work. I've referenced this passage a time or two. I'll put it on the screen tonight. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, he says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And, you know, again, when you understand how important faith is, there's part of me that wants to say, no, 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 you need faith. But we've got faith. We've got the measure of faith. We've got all the faith we need for our whole life and to overcome the world. But notice he's talking about here endurance. You know, how many times have we believed that we've already received but haven't been able to stand and endure in that, and, and the enemy comes and applies pressure, and we start backing down from what we've previously believed we've already received. So this is what he's talking about here, our ability to endure in faith. Remember we said that Peter walked on the water, and Jesus, the, the King James, New King James Version says, O ye of little faith, but I believe it should have been translated, and the word also means brief, O you of brief faith. So Peter displayed a tremendous uh, act of faith, a tremendous work of faith, but he only did it for a very short period of time. Uh, it, it, so notice what did he need? He needed endurance. He needed to be able to persist in faith even when the waves got a little bigger. He needed to persist in faith even when the wind shifted and, 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 and started blowing his hair around in front of his face. He needed to, to be able to persist, you know, but so as long as he, you know, was focused on Jesus and you know, he walked on the water, but when the doubt entered, uh, he began, as we've covered so many times, he began to sink. Now, this leads us to what I was wanting to talk about last week. And <laughs> anyway, here we are tonight, uh, better late than never. And I want to talk to you for a moment tonight about um, one of the conditions that Jesus pointed to. Uh, perhaps, I, I haven't done a, a complete research on this, but if not more frequently or as frequently as forgiveness, uh, definitely uh, a close second uh, as, as it pertains to, relates to uh, the condition of our heart and how that uh, affects the operation of faith from the heart that it resides in. And that's this idea of a hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. So hardness of heart is one of the conditions Jesus pointed to frequently as preventing the measure of faith within you from functioning properly. So let's go now to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Praise God. In Matthew the 13th chapter, um, Jesus begins with the parable of the, of the sower. Now, um, before he's finished, he's going to cover a few more parables, Okay. But um, not in Matthew. I believe it's in Mark's account of this. Um, Jesus says that if you don't understand this parable, how can you understand all parables? So 
This is why I refer to it as the master key parable. The understanding of this parable is necessary in order to unlock the understanding of, um, of the others. And again, it's about a, a man planting seed. The seed lands on different types of soil and therefore produces different amounts of uh, 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 produce, uh, results, uh, harvest, um, fruitfulness. And the range, of course, was you know, from zero, it produced nothing, uh, all the way up to a hundredfold. Um, and, and then, of course, d- different conditions in between. And as Jesus explained the parable to his disciples, he explained that the seed represented the Word of God, which is an incorruptible seed, and the different soil conditions represented the different conditions of men's and women's hearts that that seed of the Word of God landed upon. Now, in the middle of, of this uh, parable, uh, there was, he gave the parable and then Jesus explained the parable. That's the pattern you often see um, in the scripture. Sometimes he gave the parable and, and never explained it. And, and I think it was because, you know, nobody asked. He always explained it when people asked, okay? So don't be afraid to ask God what something means because he loves to tell you. Um, but just like we looked at in, you know, in another passage when he was walking on the water the bible says jesus would have walked on past him and they finally called out to him so never underestimate the the importance of you inviting jesus into a situation that you need his help with but it's verse verse number 15 he says for the hearts of this people have grown dull their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. The hearts of this people have grown dull. This is the New King James version of this passage, okay? Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Now, I want to kind of give you a little overview before we start unpacking this and breaking this down. We see you know, some cause and some effect, and some of it feeds off of one another. So I'm not going to try to just draw definitive lines there. But the main thing I want you to see is that because their heart was dulled or hardened, that they couldn't and didn't understand. So a hardened heart can't understand. One more time, a hardened heart can't understand. So let's not exhausted, but let's kind of start breaking some of this down in pieces. And so the first thing we see here is Jesus said their hearts have grown dull. Now what does that mean? Dull speaks of something that occurs over a period of time. Not just dull, grown dull. If something grows to a condition, then it's not something that it arrived at overnight. It didn't happen instantly. But it happened over a period of time. So when he says hearts have grown dull, this means that there was a time when their hearts were not dull, but over a course, over a period of time, their hearts grew dull. So this, uh, just generally speaking, is, is talking about a gradual desensitizing of the heart. A gradual desensitizing of the heart. And it is a result of the heart being exposed to wrong things. 
Jesus told us what, the, the Word of God tells us what, guard your heart. Don't let your heart be troubled. You've got to protect what comes into your heart because from your heart spring forth the issues of life. We see that David, you know, when he had sinned and strayed from God's plans for his life, he asked God to, to, re, to, to, to renew a right heart and a right spirit um, with, within him. And so we, we live in a world that's constantly dinging away at us. And if, and if we do not deliberately, intentionally guard our hearts, our hearts will be exposed to things that will over time desensitize it. The, the literal concept here is, is the idea of a callus. It's a callus on, on your hand. Now, I do not play the guitar. Obviously, my, my son does. Um, my, my nephew does. I understand that Daniel has, uh, has, has started learning. And, of course, he's you know, gifted in other musical instruments. And if, if my dad uh, does as well. But if you know anything about a guitar player, when they first start playing that guitar and the tips of their fingers are exposed to those strings, their fingers become very tender. Um, I've even seen Will's bleed. That's Matt's uh, oldest son. I've even seen his bleed in the early days of him, of him playing the guitar. Um, but through prolonged exposure to the strings, the, the, a guitar player will eventually build up calluses on his or her fingertips. And so that's by reason of use. And, and so they become, when I say desensitized, in other words, it doesn't hurt anymore to hold those metal. Some of them, the bigger strings are, are you know, got some texture to them, you know, sliding back and forth and that, and, that, and that sort of thing. So that's the idea of, you know, and that doesn't happen the first time you pick up a guitar. It grows that way. But in this case, he's talking about uh, a, a layer of calcification, if you will, spiritually speaking, a layer of, of, of hardness, a layer of buildup, not on our fingertips from playing the guitar, but on our heart, so that our heart has become desensitized to, to the things of God. Now, again, what we're ultimately going to see from this is that when the heart becomes desensitized, desensitized to the things of God, it, 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 it hinders the heart's ability to understand the things of God. Now, there's another key here, and that's where we're, that's our target tonight, is to talk about what it really means to understand, okay? And so, praise God. So, let's keep moving here. And, but before I, before I move, amen, um, so this means we got to watch what we expose our hearts to, right? Um, we, we, we got to, um, uh, you know, keep our hearts uh, and, and protect our hearts and guard our hearts, and um, I heard Bill Johnson say this one time. He said, you know, it's a red flag for me if I, if I go a while without crying in the presence of God. Now, I, I'm cautious to say that because, you know, people have gone through traumatic experiences in their, in their lives. Um, you know, and, and it doesn't mean you're not spiritual if you don't cry. It doesn't mean that you have a hard heart if you don't cry. That, you know, again, I, I'm hesitant to say that because I don't want to offend anybody. Um, but, but what he's simply saying there is for him personally, that's a sign of his heart remaining tender before God. That's a sign of his heart, you know, uh, remaining pliable, uh, uh, before God. Now he says the hearts have grown dull and that the, the ears are hard of hearing. And, and what about the eyes? Eyes they have closed. Um, this means they stop listening. They stopped listening and stopped focusing on the things of God. 
implies um, other things. Um, now, had I'm sorry, <laughs> I was like, what does that sentence don't make sense? Yes, it does. What's, what's implied here is that other things now had their eyes, ears, and attention. Okay? And so think of it as people allowing themselves to lose interest. Woo! You want to see this old big old boy get in the floor and cry? It's all the people I've seen over the years lose interest in the things of God. People who once, you know, were just so, their hearts were so tender and pliable and, 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 and God working in their lives and families and doing amazing, beautiful things. And, and, um, and just, you know, again, it didn't happen overnight, but they gradually just lost interest. And you lose interest when you quit paying attention. You lose interest when you stop listening, when you stop hearing, when you stop focusing. I say it this way, the devil steals 100% of the word from you that you never hear. And, and, and he wants to steal the word from you. And, and so we have to deliberately, intentionally continue to focus on the things of God. Focus on the word of God. Um, listen to the word of God. Hear the word of God. Um, I'm not, listen, I'm not, we're doing what the Lord instructs us to do and we're all in this because we want to be together and, and that's the way it's always been here at Heritage and the way it always will be. You know, but when you think about, I'm, I'll talk about myself and you figure out if any of this fits you, okay? You know, I, I can sit there and watch Food Network for two hours. I try not to anymore because again, that just makes me want to go eat food, but, um, or Home and Garden TV or, um, man, this old house, I get a bunch of those recorded. You know, next thing you know, man, I done, I done spent three hours watching them remodel some house up in New England, you know. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, you know. But, you know, 20 minutes into a sermon, we start looking at our watch. You know, it's like, is he going, is he, he don't even sound like he's getting close to being through, you know. We go sit in a, at a, at a, in a ball game. Man, how long? Somebody tell me how long a college football game is. It's a couple of three hours probably. And again, if you think I'm saying that you're wrong to do that, I'm not. But, you know, we give our attention to, we're into, we show interest. In, in, have you ever heard the expression, pay attention? You know, in other words, it, it, attention costs you something, you know. If you're paying attention to one thing, that means it's costing you all the attention you could be paying to other things. And so their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes, he says, they've closed they, 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 they've closed their eyes. They've quit focusing on these things. And because they've quit focusing on these things, it's hard even if you say it real loud for them to hear it, you know. I'm, again, I'm not proud of this, but sometimes, you know, I'll be, uh, you know, returning an email or something on my phone, and Pam will go, you didn't even hear what Oliver just said to you, did you? And obviously, it's not that he was saying it quietly, but what, my attention was absorbed. I was focused on one thing, and because I was focused on one thing, somebody speaking in an audible voice that I could hear right next to me, I, I didn't hear. I was hard of hearing it. Are you, are you seeing? Because, again, you become focused on one thing. You close your eyes to other things. You lose interest. And, and so, because they stopped listening to God and focusing on the things of God, it implies that other things now had their eyes. Other things now occupied their ears and, and they were paying attention to those things. So we can't allow ourselves to lose interest because, again, this is the cause and effect back and forth. Um, it'll cause your heart to grow dull and the duller your heart becomes, the more you close your eyes and, and don't listen. And the more you close your eyes and don't listen, the harder your heart becomes and it just creates 
this, um, this vicious cycle. And we, we all know this is true, right? We, from personal experience. I mean, I wish I could tell you that, you know, just for the, you know, I was born again when I was five years old, really serious about my relationship with God, probably right in my early teenage years, even before that. But I wish I could tell you I was always just, woohoo, you know, just on fire for God. I mean, there's, there's ebb and flow and up and down, not because of Him, because of me. But it, it comes back to the interest that we put into it. It comes back to the time that we um, invest in it. And, I, and I, I made this statement last Wednesday, and I even thought, well, Lord, maybe I shouldn't have said that when I talked about, you know, just some of the things that Pam and I have taken to the next level in our lives, just an investment of our time, just, you know, how we manage our time and what we're investing that time in. But I can already tell you, you know, just what, two months into this year, the, the difference that I'm already experiencing and she's already experiencing, we're already experiencing in our lives because of it. Um, it, it, it makes your heart softer, which in turn, uh, you know, you're, you're able to see uh, you're able to understand things that you previously could not, all right? So this is the next part then. He says, lest they should understand with their hearts. Lest they should understand with their hearts. So what he's talking about here is an inability to understand um, with, a, with a heart is a serious problem as it relates to faith residing in and working from the heart. Few things open the door to doubt more than a heart that does not or cannot understand spiritual things. Now, let me, we've, we've made it to this point. And so let me just take a few minutes here, and then we'll, we'll build on this next week. But let me take a few minutes here because the, the key to this is we think we understand what understand means, but we perhaps do not, okay? <laughs> so, because here, understand means more than just, yeah, I got it, okay? When, when he's talking about understanding with the heart he's talking about let, let's 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 give it a um a natural definition first and then we'll apply it to the spiritual so he's talking about the ability to um, assemble individual facts into an organized whole think of like collecting the pieces of a puzzle and then putting those pieces together um, the mind grasping concepts and seeing, this is the key thing, this is the key thing here, and seeing the proper relationship between them. Um, what's the game that we played as a kid? Which one of these things is not like the other? Which one of these things is not like the other? And so, you, you know, you've got a whole group of things and, um, you know, you start looking at it. I'm sure there's still puzzles out there, probably for adults, you know. But you, you start looking at it, and you realize, okay, there's pictures of seven pieces of fruit, and there's one picture of a carrot. So, you know, we realize that they all kind of look like they belong together on the surface, but now we realize, no, 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 you know, um, there's, uh, there's eight pictures here. Seven of them are all fruits, but, but one of them is, is, a, is a vegetable. So this, this is kind of a, at least a, a basic uh, understanding of what it means to, um, to understand. So Jesus was saying because their hearts were dull, and their hearts were dull because they quit focusing on and became hard uh, to, to, to listen, you know, hard of hearing when it came to the things of God. They allowed their interest to, to uh, drift elsewhere that this uh, prevented them from being able to understand with their hearts. Now, 
let's go back to the to the to the puzzle example of, of being able to to take different pieces of a puzzle and and assemble them together. So understanding here is speaking of the ability to connect similar things together while at the same time recognizing things that do not fit, that do not fit. And so uh, I mean, we usually work a puzzle at camp. Um, I just, I don't know how we got started doing that, Pops, but it's something fun that we do. And so, um, and, uh, and you know, you, you work a puzzle at camp and sometimes we've had easier puzzles or more enjoyable puzzles. If you're a puzzle worker, you know what I mean by that. You know, if you got one that's just 50 shades of, of blue and, 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 you know, clouds and it's hard, you know, really, really hard to put all that together. Okay. Um, but the idea here is you're trying to put together a puzzle, but you've got just as many pieces that don't fit in the box as do. And so the challenge then is recognizing which piece goes and which piece doesn't. This, this is what he's talking about here with, with understanding and, and, and being able to, to recognize the things that go together. Now, the bigger picture of this is, remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus, what's born of the Spirit is spirit, what's born of the flesh is flesh. And a common mistake that many born-again believers make is they confuse the pieces of the puzzle that go in the spirit box and the pieces of the puzzle that go in the flesh box. Because the devil is wanting to, to try to bring all those pieces together in your mind to where it's hard for you to distinguish which one of them goes into the spiritual puzzle and which one of them goes into the physical puzzle. Right? And so if we don't have this understanding, it's very easy for us to take something that's actually doubt, but we can so spiritualize the dysfunction that, that, you know, in our minds, we've convinced ourselves that, here, here's a classic example, it's a sign from God. Right? Now, listen, I believe in a God who gives us signs, right? But, you know, you, you, you're praying about, you know, I'm just throwing this out here. You, you're praying about where you're going to go to college and all of a sudden you um, see a bumper sticker on a car, it's a sign from God, Mama, that's where I'm supposed to go. Well, that may or may not be where you're supposed to go. Right? We need a deeper level of understanding. So don't think that the devil won't try to put things in your life um, that appear to be a sign that don't have anything to do with what God has in, in your life. And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking generally here so that you can grasp the concept because the concept goes much deeper than this. The, 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 the concept goes to an understanding and an ability to recognize that this is God, this is not. This is from, this is from the truth, this is, this is a lie, this is from the enemy. This is truth, that's a fact, but just because it's a fact doesn't mean it's the truth. Facts are temporary, truth's eternal. It's, so being able to, to assemble those pieces of the puzzle in, uh, into, that, into that same box, praise God. So understanding here, again, is speaking of the ability to connect similar things together while at the same time recognizing things that do not fit. Your ability, so last point, and then I'll pray, okay? Your ability to understand, your ability to understand or, or the way you understand. Let me, let me see if I can say this another way. Notice he says, 
lest they should understand with their hearts. Understanding with your heart is different than understanding with your, with your brain. You know, logic, reason, how things look, seem, and feel, aligning your thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel, that's what it means to walk by sight, not by faith. Faith aligns thoughts, words, and actions with what God has said, with what the truth is. But see, if you're not sure what the truth is, if you're not sure which puzzle piece goes with which puzzle, then that's a lack of understanding on your part, and that's where the enemy, again, will not only take advantage of you, but it's very easy for him to slip a piece of doubt, a puzzle piece of doubt, into what um, you are putting together. To put together with one's mind is another way of, um, of, uh, of defining this. But let's, let's get back to it. Your ability to understand or the way you understand determines how you assess and process what's going on around you. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said this. He said, when I was a child, come on now, what did he say? When I was a child, I understood as a child. I understood as a child. I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I understood like a child. I spoke like a child. So I'm not going to look at all those, but let's just understanding. When Paul said when he was a child, he understood as a child, what is he saying there? He's saying that he looked at things from a childish perspective. He assessed things from the, from the, position, the position of the perspective of a child. He processed things, looked at things, considered things as a child would look at, consider, process things. Again, from a childish perspective. So when we're talking about, our, you can stand with me. When, you, when we talk about our ability to understand He's talking about our, the way that we process what it is that we're seeing and experiencing. How, how, what's our perspective on this? See, God's perspective on, on when you're tested, tried, and tempted is, is to count it all joy. It's a completely different perspective than most people have. You know, they don't, people don't rejoice. Brother Keith Moore's been in a, in a, in a series, well, his Greater Faith Conference, he talked about this, you know. He's like, you know, the Bible tells us to rejoice, commands us to rejoice. You know, not if you feel like it, rejoice. He com- commands us to rejoice, right? It's, it's, it's a choice, and, 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 that's, and that's the perspective that, that Father has on this. But how can we ever operate in faith if we don't have his perspective on things, or I'm going to say it again, how can we operate in faith if our heart doesn't have his understanding on things? How can we operate in faith if we don't see things the way God sees them? So where we will be next week is where we kind of jumped into the middle of last week in a futile effort to try to cover all this in seven seconds or seven minutes or whatever it was, right? Is remember that the miracle of the, of, the, of the loaves, they fed all those people. The miracle took place in their hands. Then they're rowing, and, and, and the, the, the storm, is, uh, wind has turned violent against them. And Jesus is walking on the water, and they freak out in fear and, and superstition, and it's an omen, and he's a, it's a ghost, and all this other stuff. And Jesus is like, cut that out! Quit being so f- afraid! It's me! And then that last verse, remember he says that they did not understand about the loaves. 
that must be a typo. They didn't understand about him walking on water. No, didn't understand about the loaves. In other words, if they had understood the loaves, they would have understood the water walking. Because their minds would have processed it from God's perspective. And with God, nothing's impossible. But see, they're, they're still looking at it from the, 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 the doubt side of things, right? There's, their minds are, are not putting these things together as their hearts are going to have to be able to put them together if they're going to operate in faith. Are you, th- this, is what, this is what he means by the understanding. But what prevents the understanding? What prevents the understanding is the heart's dulled, it's hardened. All right. Oh, Father, you're good to us. Thank you for loving us. Father, we want our hearts to be soft and, and pliable and tender before you, Father. Lord, we, we, we want you to be able to, to speak to us. We want you to be able to even correct us, Father. And, and Lord, because we, we are, are focused on you, um, we, we hear what you're saying. Father, that we're not so focused on the things of the world that, that by default we've tuned you out and you're trying to help us and speak to us and change our lives. And, 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 and we're more interested in a crossword puzzle. Uh, Father, than, than the words of eternal life. And so, so, so help us, Lord. Help us uh, lay hold of, of these truths. Help us, um, Father, uh, give you our full attention um, so that our hearts are, will not be hardened and dulled, exposed to things that harden and dull them, but so that our hearts will be exposed to you. And, 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 and Lord, that you keep our hearts tender and soft so that you can develop the, the understanding of, of your ways and, and, and your perspective that we don't understand like men of the earth, but we understand like you on your throne in heaven. We don't understand things like, like, like small children, but we understand things like full-grown, mature adults in the body of Christ. So Lord, we thank you tonight for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So look, if you do crossword puzzles, have at it. My, my, it's good for the brain. It's not what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying, right? We, we've got to give some attention to the things of God to keep our hearts soft before Him and our ears open to Him. Amen. You have a great rest of the week. Remember communion on Sunday. Um, thank you for joining us in person, online. Uh, if somebody's around you right now, tell them good things coming.